Who here thinks that women like men with money? Okay, yeah, evidently that's true. Women like men with money. But the question is, is that her primary motive of being with you? Gold diggers, they're with you primarily for the money. They don't particularly give a shit about you. They're just with you for the financial stability, the Louis handbag, and the travels, and then the Instagram pictures they can take by themselves. But gold diggers, in my opinion, make up 5%, maybe less. Most women really aren't, but you have to be able to differentiate that. Most of the time when men say, oh, I either don't have enough money so I can't find the right one, or I have too much money and I'm only finding gold diggers, it's usually always an excuse. You just need to have a really strong pre-qualification mechanism, exactly like I was talking about earlier. It's, okay, I'm for me, it's more 70-30. And some of you guys are going to be very, very happy to pay, and some of you are going to want a 50-50. You can have your individual agreements, but the important thing is that you shamelessly and unapologetically communicate your personality, and then you say, this is how I kind of want to do it. And you're very happy to come along that ride. And if you want to, that's amazing. And if not, that's also perfectly fine. Women are inherently excited by money, but the right ones really don't care that much about it. It's not their primary motivator. Fernanda and I can spend 2K in a hotel in the west of Ireland. I'm not going to mention the name right now. <laughs> and it's awesome. And she's very excited. But she's equally happy to go for a walk with me through the city center in Dublin, spend no money, and just show me off to the public. Is that right? Right. <laughs> so, well, actually, the hotel and the spa. No, but it's really truly like that. You ideally want a woman who'd be with you if you had nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that you should let yourself get to that point, but you want somebody who, if you were temporarily to struggle, that she'd be with you. That's absolutely important. And the way to do that is to never go for dinner on the first date. I would try that out. Don't go for dinner for the first date. It's not necessary. No normal woman on earth will have a problem simply going for alcohol-free drinks or alcoholic drinks or a coffee. Ideally drinks, just two drinks in a bar. But don't do dinner for the first date. It's not to say that you can never do it and that it can't work. At some point, if you've done enough drink dates, eventually you're going to go for dinner because, hey, I'm hungry, so she might as well tag along. <coughs> but there, who here has ever made that experience that, or seen videos on social media where women demand an expensive or at least a, a dinner for first date and they wouldn't go for coffee or something like that? Yeah, that's crazy. No normal person would do that because the date is about getting to know each other. It's not about the, the piece of protein that we have in front of us. It's really about the connection, and the right person won't have an issue with it. Likewise, or at the same time, you'll never be able to keep a woman with just money. You never will. Now, if you let yourself go, that's also going to be a problem, because women value ambition more than current success. It doesn't matter where you are right now. If she doesn't feel like you're going for something, she will eventually lose interest in you because you lose drive. That's why in the beginning when we talked about where am I going, what's my goals, if you want to have energy, you've got to be working towards a tomorrow that's more exciting than today. You've got to have a compelling future because progress equals happiness. It's really true. If we're not making progress, we're not excited. Whenever you feel like you're most alive, you've made progress in your career, your business, your dating life, or your body. It feels incredibly exhilarating, then we feel alive. So in order to actually keep her, we need to have a vision, one, because of the energy we'll have, and because she won't respect us as a man. There are plenty of men with money who don't know how frame works. There are plenty of men who are killers in business, and they can't disagree with a lady. And it's completely understandable, because we crave her love so much. Love, loving relationships, they're the places where we can experience the highest highs and the lowest lows. Because no matter how cool we pretend to be, eventually when you're in a relationship, you're kind of faced with this seeming contradiction that on the one hand, you really want her love, 
But on the other hand, you can't be needy. We've talked about not being needy and not needing our love. But on the other hand, obviously, you do need it. And so we've talked at length about not being needy because you cannot rely on her love. You have to give yourself the love. Your male friends have to give you love. But on the other hand, obviously, you want it. So how do you balance that? Well, it's loving awareness. You become aware of those moments when the neediness strikes you realize, oh, I'm really craving her validation right now to stay fucking centered. Part of the reason that we did the jumping, didn't you feel pretty fucking grounded in yourself? Didn't you feel, mm, that's fucking good? That's that feeling. That's the place to love from. Not, hey, babe, you don't have to shout to be masculine. Woman, coffee! That's not masculinity. That's, in German, we would say, Sklaventreiber. How you say a slave trader, a slave trader. Slave driver. Slave driver, yeah, basically, yeah, a slave driver, a slave handler. So that's not what you want. You don't want to be in a relationship with a slave. You want to have a relationship on eye level. But to do that, you'll have to communicate those boundaries. And coming back all the way to money or conflicts, you communicate those up front in a very, very calm and loving way. Because touching on that, women will test you. They are going to, as we talked about earlier, they're going to kick you in the balls to see how you react. And like the, the gentleman that left now, he sent a text. One text can just immediately already make you come across as incredibly buttered. And we can never allow ourselves to feel that. Now, we can actually feel it, but we can never act it out. Because second, the second we act that out, she realizes, oh, there's plenty of other men out there. Because the second she knows she can fully have us and we're fully chasing, she won't want us anymore. That doesn't mean that we're in a relationship that Fernanda and I are playing games of who chases who more. I'm not giving her too much validation. No, ideally, you live in a state of mutual admiration. That's really great. But if one person pulls back a little bit, the worst thing you can do if she pulls back a little bit is to reward her with what she desires most, which is attention. Men are validated by sex or physical touch. Women are validated by attention. The, devil's, oh, the devil is really in the detail. Let's say it's 2 p.m., I'm in a business meeting. I can see she's pulling back via text a little bit or I'm having a busy work day. But I'm just not going to be able to respond until 7 or 8 p.m. in the evening because I'm going to be at work. That's not me pulling back. That's me being busy. Then I'd rather, pardon me, not engage. The best thing is to seek the conversation up front. But if you sometimes have a bit of a conflict and you can't get a resolution, it's much better to just not necessarily pull back as a tactic but to create space. And say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and we're going to talk about this later. Because... One thing, and this is not for men and against women, this is very much for men and for women, but one of the worst mistakes guys make is she nags them, she's a bit naggy, she's a bit bitchy, and then they chase after her a little bit more, a little bit more. She pulls back and they keep chasing. And she's basically rewarded for an undesirable behavior. She learns, okay, if I act like a bitch, he chases me. Men act like assholes, women act like bitches. We all do it. But she learns that, okay, if I'm mean or if I pull back, he follows. He gives me the love. Or if I feel really sad, I get a lot of love. If I go into victim mode, I get a lot of love. That's the worst thing you can do because then you're rewarding a behavior that you don't want to have. So it's much better to say, okay, cool, I'm going to go back. I'm gonna, we can talk about this later. Now, this is not you being manipulative, but creating space is sometimes fine and giving it a couple hours for her to calm down because if she's in this emotional state, there's two things you can do. Either you create space and you do something productive in the meantime or you have the conversation and you're a rock. And if she goes, you did da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever, she unleashes her femininity, which can be very beautiful and very dramatic at times, then you're just ground and you say, okay, cool, like the way Jonathan was doing. All right, I get you. The problem with most of us men, 
We look at women as these massive lions, whereas actually they're just baby tigers. The way you view her when she gets emotional, any type of drama, any type of emotional reaction you don't want to have, determines your groundedness or lack thereof in the interaction. If you see her as this threatening being, well, it's going to be very difficult for you to react in a calm manner. But if you say, ah, come here, I love you. Most men take the words that come out of women's mouths too serious. It's not to say that you shouldn't take her serious, you should take her absolutely serious. You should respect her, you should take her serious at the level of the needs. But people talk a lot of shit. And people includes women to 50%. You can't take the individual words too serious. What is she? Because what she's saying, what's coming out of her mouth, mightn't be exactly what her need is. She might be telling you one thing, but might, she might be craving something else. She's like, leave me alone. And she storms out of the room. You think she actually wants you to leave her alone? Now, you, if you go back, and if she storms out of the room, it's perfectly fine to sit there and let her come back to you. That's one very valid strategy. The other strategy is to go back, but not from a needy place. It's not the thing, but the place it's coming from. You don't go after her like, hey, babe, can you please give me some love? With this weak bitch attitude, like a pussy. No, if you, if you go after her and you say, come here, let's have this conversation. But you don't need a positive reaction from her instantaneously. You just know if you give her love for five to 15 minutes, sometimes three, she'll melt. That's where our approach is a bit different to this red pill stuff where we're just like, fuck her, let her create drama. No, you gotta have a little bit more compassion and understanding that if she storms out of the room, if you're in a relationship, for example, she's like, leave me alone. Sometimes she may want that. But more often than not, she actually wants you to come after her and just sit with her and be like, tell me. And if you sit with her and you don't take the drama serious and you just give her love, that doesn't mean needy. Doesn't mean you need her validation. Okay, tell me what's going on. All right, I understand. Tell me a bit more. And you're with her and you're like, I understand. I love you. And if she then still, like that, after 5, 10, 15 minutes, you say, no worries. We'll talk about that at a later point in time. And then you leave, then you create space. When she then comes back, she comes back as a little girl. Because femininity needs to be met with masculinity. Grounded. You cannot chase that validation. So you need to learn to set those boundaries. Let's talk about boundaries for a couple of minutes. Who here has, has in the past struggled with setting boundaries and perhaps does still so? Yeah. Setting boundaries is the best thing you can do for a relationship, even if it may feel uncomfortable in the moment. Because what most people do, who are a little bit people-pleaser-ish, or a bit more agreeable, they sacrifice the relationship, the long-term health of the relationship, because they don't want to have short-term conflict. You're not willing to say, hey, I didn't like this. They're not willing to step into this tension. But thereby, you're actually ruining the relationship. Because there's people in your lives right now, most likely, and some people here statistically, for some people here that's statistically true, where you haven't set a boundary. It could be mother, father, uncle, a lady, a man, something that you haven't addressed that's still bugging you. That's going to ruin the relationship in the long term if you don't address it. It can be family members, it can be friends. Say what's on your mind. Speaking the elephant in the room is one of the most effective strategies for inner peace. Somebody pisses you off, just say, hey, do you not have to be a dick about it? Be like, oh, fucking bleh. No. Say, hey, look, what you did, I didn't appreciate it. Say it immediately. If you don't say it, it's going to kill the relationship in the long term. Set the boundary immediately. Jonathan's favorite formula, you literally say, okay, boundary, point one, two, three. It's like, literally goes on, it's like, one, two, three. Boundary, boom. I sometimes do this with Fernanda as well. It's like, I gotta set a boundary. And she goes, you know you don't actually have to use the word boundary when you're setting a boundary with me. I was like, all right, I get it. But it's important because sometimes I have the tendency to feel guilty very quickly. So when we have an argument, 
And she goes, good. Because <laughs> when we have an argument, I oftentimes question myself, oh, was that right? Was that wrong? And I can be quite hot-headed in the moment. But I definitely question whether what I did was okay or not. Becoming truly confident and having unshakable confidence doesn't mean you don't take feedback into consideration. You should learn to apologize quickly. Setting boundaries doesn't mean she's the only person who does something wrong and I never do. No, most of the time we should seek the responsibility with ourselves first. But going back to that, if I don't set the boundaries in the beginning, then I get angry. Anger is a competence that simply shows you that you're not standing up for yourself oftentimes. Any undesirable emotion you experience is simply a competence that certain needs aren't being met. Any emotion you feel, if it's not for purely physiological module A type of reasons, it's a sign that your needs aren't met. I feel a little bit down, okay? Is it a lack of social contact? Or I feel a little bit bored, okay? I need more variety. Or I feel angry. Well, I don't have freedom. What's the need that's underlying? And in your communication with her, what you have to understand is what's the need that's not being met? It's not the actual words. The words, pfft, words are a cheap currency. But what does she actually need at this moment? At the core from you, she only ever needs reassurance or trust or this masculinity component. She needs more feminine energy or she needs more masculine energy. And you got to vibe that out. But when it comes to setting boundaries, it isn't just that you tell her what she can or cannot do. Because on social media, we see, oh, she's a BPD. She's a narcissist. It's very easy to deflect responsibility. It's also important that we look at ourselves. Like, okay, what in myself may have caused that conflict? And then you realize, oh, shit. Some people actually need to learn to apologize quicker. Some of you need to stop apologizing so much. Some of you need to apologize more. Because for some people, it's very difficult to apologize. Some people need to apologize, stop apologizing quickly. Especially if you live in Ireland, you say sorry for every fucking thing. Right? It's a... Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, but like it's a social lubricant in Ireland. And it's amazing in one sense, because if in Germany, if you bump into somebody, they're going to yell at you. In Ireland, if somebody bumps into you, You'll apologize. You're like, oh, sorry about that. You know? And it's cool because it's very respectful on the one hand. But the problem with saying sorry is it weakens you. Do you feel really strong if you said sorry 17 times that day? Not really. And I did it with my ex-wife as well. Because she did it. Because it's a cultural thing. And there, every culture has really beautiful things. And every culture has things that aren't that great. I'm German. I understand. But <laughs> I get it. But... Instead of apologize, let's look at the people who apologize too quickly. Don't apologize if you didn't do anything wrong. If she blames you for something and you don't know whether she's right or not and say, hey, look, I'm going to have to think about that for a little bit. I don't want to tell you you're wrong right now. I don't want to tell you that I'm wrong right now. I'm going to have to think about it. Because sometimes it might take you a couple of hours to figure out who's in the right and who's in the wrong. And our relationships aren't about being right and wrong. Because ultimately, you have to make a choice between being happy and being right. But you also have to understand, is it okay for me to stand up for this need here right now in that manner? Or is it not? Who acted in an inappropriate fashion? Because then you want to apologize. Because if you don't apologize, it's also going to create friction. Because you can make a conflict disappear by just saying sorry. Like a true heartfelt apology, most people are going to be able to let things go. If there are people in your life who've done you wrong, who, if they genuinely came up to you and said, look, and it's genuine, I'm really sorry what I did. I know, for example, I'm an hour late for a meeting with you. And I would say... That's a stupid example. Um, any example? Something one might apologize for? Something comes to mind? Sorry, we're about to One degree. One degree. Okay, I'll take it. All right, no, I'll, I'll do that. So Jonathan and I, we were in Malaga. We were teaching a boot camp with a one-on-one client. <laughs> and we were in an Airbnb together. 
and we were having a legit full-blown argument for like 15 minutes. We got really angry at each other because of one difference in the AC. I was too hot. He was like, hey, so hombre, I'm going to sleep in the living room. I sleep directly under the AC. Do you want to sleep there? No, I want to sleep in my room. So we had an argument about, I was like, no, can we not turn it down? One degree. He was like, no, it's too much. And, oh, and, and he was like, I'm going to go somewhere else. Maybe you should go somewhere else. I'll get you an hotel. It was legit for like, what, 15 minutes? And then we were both like, that was stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we apologized, so we got rid of it. That could have easily escalated into 48 hours of drama. Because especially if men get together and they have egos. So being able to apologize and say, look, what is my ultimate outcome in this interaction? With this lady, with this person. My ultimate outcome is to be happy in the relationship. Now, a lot of men, and that's what I did, they wanted the long-term happiness, so they never set any boundaries at all. You have to... What is a boundary? A boundary means you risk losing the relationship. A boundary is an implied ultimatum. You can never set an ultimatum in a relationship. Never threaten the relationship. Never say, this or else, it's over. That's something you can never do because you can never take that back. But a boundary is an implied ultimatum. You say, no, that's not okay. And if both people get to a point where it's an impasse, well, then you have to either renegotiate or you have to go separate ways. But it's very important. You can only set a boundary if you're really okay with her walking away. Now, the more you get into the relationship, the more you've invested, the more the sunk cost fallacy hits. Ah, I've already invested this much, the more you're emotionally attached. And partially that makes sense, partially it doesn't. So you're less likely to want to let go of that. But the sunk cost fallacy is real. Oh, we've invested so much. We have so many beautiful memories. Should we really keep going beyond this point? Or it's like, of course we should keep going beyond this point. Really? We should evaluate the relationship as if you never had it. If this is just making you unhappy, the woman you're dating, relationships with men, well, you've got to go a different path. So on the one hand, you obviously want to question yourself and say, where did I do, where did I do something wrong? Because if we were to all do that, there'd be no conflict. Because she can only be in her feminine self if you're in your masculine self. And setting boundaries is a really important expression of masculinity. And you get so much freedom if you just say what fucking bothers you. Just say it. No, don't do that anymore, please. I don't like that. And you can be smooth, but fucking say it. Because if you don't say these things, say them immediately on the calls. I do it all the time. Hey, be quiet. This is pissing me off. Because otherwise I'll get angry. Say it immediately. Say it immediately, and it's a habit. It's one of the most important habits to train, to say these things instantaneously, because the longer it bottles up, the more passive-aggressive you're going to be.